For any size donation before December 1st, we'll send you my 2023 Advent devotional booklet, I Wait for Your Salvation, O Lord. Make a secure online gift at thewordendoors.org or make your check payable to The Word Endures and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234, and we'll send you my new Advent devotional booklet. Greetings in Christ. I'm Dr. Reed Lessing, Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Center offers annual preaching workshops for Advent and Lent, seminars on a book of the Bible, and studies focused on biblical stewardship. We also showcase the best biblical scholarship in the LCMS by hosting three-day seminars each summer, featuring a guest scholar. Learn more at csp.edu slash Center for Biblical Studies. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. If the man steering the ship and the owner of the ship were willing to take the risk of moving a little further before settling in for the winter, that risk couldn't be very great, right? That's what Julius thought. But it never turns out well when you ignore the words of one of God's holy apostles. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. Well, at long last, after his two years of imprisonment under Felix, and after his trials before Festus and Agrippa, Paul's finally on the move again, but as Caesar's ward, an ambassador for Jesus in chains. Festus entrusts the man to the keeping of Julius of the Augustan cohort stationed there in Syria and gives the centurion a handful of other prisoners as well to take to Rome. They start out sailing in a local ship that stopped at all the ports along the coast. Already, the day after they set sail at Zidon, Julius allowed Paul to visit his friends, that is his fellow Christians. And then because the winds were prevailing from the west, they end up sheltering under Cyprus for a bit and then striking across the sea for the coast of Asia Minor. Paul, remember, is making this voyage with Aristarchus and Luke, and possibly some others who are not named. At the great port of Myra in Lycia, the centurion finds a ship that's headed for Italy. Perfect! He puts Paul and his other prisoners on board, and off they sail. Only the weather proves difficult from the get-go. They creep along the coast of Crete and finally arrive at the port of Fair Havens that served the city of Lacia. A reading from Acts, the 27th chapter, beginning at the 9th verse. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, 
the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Acts 27, verses 9 through 15. Let us pray. Lord God, bless your word wherever it is proclaimed. Make it a word of power and peace to convert those not yet your own and to confirm those who have come to saving faith. May your word pass from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip, and from the lip to the life, that as you have promised, your word may not return to you void, but achieve the purpose for which you sent it. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Ready to ponder our passage for today? Let's meditate on it together. Verse 9. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, well, they'd hoped to make a straight shot across the Mediterranean to Italy. But those prevailing west winds had squelched the hope of anything like a speedy trip. It had taken them time to creep along under the lee of this island and that. And now the year was failing. Luke mentions that even the fast was already over. That was the Day of Atonement which falls in late September, early October, generally a week or so after the equinox. In ancient times, ship traffic might dare fate for a bit in October, but generally, come the middle of November, ships stayed put wherever they had harbored until the spring allowed for safe voyaging on the waters once again. The prevailing west winds that were against them were a sign that this was going to be an early season of storms. Paul who was indeed eager to reach Rome, seemed to realize before the professionals did the folly of venturing out on the deep again. Hence, verse 9 continued, Paul advised them, verse 10, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our own lives. He's trying to make them see the folly of just plowing ahead with their plans to go back to sea. So he stresses to them, it's not just that I fear for the ship or the cargo, it's our very lives that are at stake. So take care what you do. Perhaps he already had this as a prophecy from God, as Chrysostom thought. He remarked in 4th century Antioch, see Paul's modesty, in order that he may not appear to prophesy, but to speak as from supposition, he says, I see. They would not have received his words if he had pronounced them at once. But of course, they didn't receive his words in any case, because Paul was not himself a sailor, though he was no stranger to the sea. So, verse 11, But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. In other words, the centurion listened to the experts. They should surely know, right? What? insight could a controversial Jewish prisoner have about such matters as these? If the man steering the ship and the owner of the ship were willing to take the risk of moving a little further before settling in for the winter, that risk couldn't be very great, right? That's what Julius thought. 
but it never turns out well when you ignore the words of one of God's holy apostles. Verse 12. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. I suppose that could mean that the harbor wasn't safe to winter in, open as it was to the south, possibly, but given the reputation of sailors and soldiers, particularly in those days, I can't help but wonder if they meant something more along the lines of, you can't possibly expect us to spend the whole winter in this podunk town, can you? I mean, where's the entertainment? Where are the ladies? Where are the gaming houses? We need a bigger port with some more commodious facilities. And since this was the conviction of the majority of the sailors and possibly the soldiers, they figure they'll risk the sea to get to a better place. Phoenix, just 40 miles further along the island and only about 30 miles from the western end of Crete. Literally, by the way, the text says, facing both lips and chorus. The names signify the winds that blew from the southwest and the northwest. Verse 13. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. The warmth of the south wind enticed them to make their run for Phoenix. But notice that they're clearly still ill at ease. So even though they weigh anchor and head out, they stick close to the shore. I wonder how many hours they were out on the sea when someone glanced nervously at the sky and pointed to the clouds building and rushing toward them. Verse 14. But soon a tempestuous wind called the nor'easter struck down from the land. The King James Version just transliterated the Greek name here. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. So in this verse and the last, St. Luke has named for us three different winds, noting the directions that they blow from. Now, I grew up on the east coast of the United States, right outside of Washington, D.C. And if we ever got a nor'easter, we knew we were in for some seriously bad weather. In the winter, those were the huge snowstorms. Well, similarly here on the Mediterranean, this is not the direction a sailor ever hopes to see a storm coming at him when he's on the open sea. The quickness with which that southern wind whipped around and turned northeast warned the weather-wise that they were in for a whole heap and help of trouble. Verse 15. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. The ship, recall, was trying to hug the shore. Now the wind is howling and pushing them away from it, away from all safety. And as we'll learn next time, the storm started in bad and kept getting worse and worse. The winds picking up and finally the idea of even steering the ship toward anything was completely abandoned. There was no steering possible in that wind or through those waves. So the soldiers would have lowered the sails before they were torn to bits and let the sea simply take them where it would. They were helpless upon its rolling surface. The heathens might have begun praying to their gods as the sailors did in Jonah's day. But I wonder if Luke, Paul, and Aristarchus might have sung softly together from Psalm 107. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. 
They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to their depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. That psalm would have reminded them of who the Lord of wind and wave is, and it would have calmed their terror and given them peace. And that's where we're going to take our break for today. Next up, they'll find a modicum of shelter under the lee of Calda, and that will enable the sailors at least to secure the ship's boat. They lower their gear, probably meaning the sea anchor, and they're driven along as the storm raged and raged. Finally, the next day, they toss even the ship's tackle overboard. Day after day, the storm keeps on going. No sun, no stars. And for the men of the ship, they just resign themselves to their watery death. But then Paul stands up among them and gives them his I told you so speech, but followed it up with an encouragement not to fear because an angel of the God he serves had told him once again, don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, Paul insists. It's going to be just as God says, but we're going to have to run aground on some island or other. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.